Hi, I'm Kim Payne, and you're listening to the Courageous Me podcast, which is all about inspiring you through incredible stories and sharing some really cool ways to add more courage into your life. Welcome to another episode of Courageous Me. I want to talk today about the whole concept of black and white and either or. And this is something that's been playing out a lot lately, where we're either this or we're that, or we feel this or we feel that. So it's either black or it's white. And that is very clinical, right? It's almost saying that something has got to be this way or that way, as opposed to looking at it as a spectrum. And it could be somewhere if the extremes are, say, black and white, then what you're thinking or where you're at or what you're doing, whatever it is, could be somewhere, sometimes more to the white, sometimes more to the black, somewhere in between, that whole area of grey and different versions of. And I'm talking about this in terms of the way that we describe ourselves and who we are as humans. For example, for a long time, a long, long time actually, when I was in the corporate world particularly and even when I first got out of the corporate world, it took me ages to get rid of this whole mantle of black or white, was I thought that to be taken seriously in the professional world and a female in a very male-dominated industry of financial advice, which is where the majority of my career had been to date, I thought that in order to come across as professional, it meant that I also had to dress in suits, in dark-coloured suits, black suits, grey suits, pinstripe suits, navy suits, They had to all be of a certain length. They had to be a certain cut. I usually had them, you know, I usually spent quite a bit of money on my suits to make sure that they were of better quality. I typically for a long time as well would wear shirts under my suits because that's just what you did to be professional and be taken seriously in the industry that I was in. As far as fashion went or wearing clothes that I felt really reflected who I was and my personality, that was only ever something I did outside the workplace, okay? The two never actually crossed over. As I've got, I don't know whether it's just because I've got older, I think the world has certainly caught up. I think COVID did a lot for this movement about who said that being professional, who said that working in a really serious industry and doing really serious work meant that you had to dress really serious, really boring, and really corporate. Now, I also, with about what I'm about to say, I appreciate that there are some environments and some situations where that is the dress code and there are reasons for that, okay? Maybe that's the way that their clients expect them to dress. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you think something's black, because if it's not black, it has to be white. But what about what's in between? Why can't it be a version of in between? So for example, I, over the last probably five, six, maybe seven years, have still continued to work in financial services. I still dress very professionally, but I wear colour. Okay. I love colour. I like colourful earrings. I like colourful suits. I like colourful tops. I like colourful lipstick. I like wearing makeup. I like colourful shoes. Oh my goodness. Colourful shoes, colourful bags. Oh, bring it on. I like colour. Now, years and years and years ago, I would never, ever, ever have brought colour into the professional world. 
because I didn't think, well, it wasn't accepted, but I didn't think it was appropriate. And by the way, not only did I not think it was appropriate, I was told in so many words, it's not appropriate. And it's funny, last year I was about to go and do a keynote presentation at a financial planning conference and I had a hot pink suit that I was wearing. Now, I had some gorgeous shiny silver shoes that I was going to be wearing and I was wearing, I can't remember what colour lipstick, uh, sorry, I can't remember what colour earrings but I was wearing hot pink lipstick and it's really interesting, right? So I've packed this suit in my suitcase, my hot pink suit and by the way, the audience was going to be about 95% male. However, it was a suit, right? It was a proper buttoned up suit, no cleavage, no skin, no bare arm, nothing else was on display. It was a very, very proper suit, if I can use that word. And I was on the aeroplane flying to, I was flying down to Hobart actually, to do this keynote. And what was interesting is there was a fashion designer or a stylist who was had posted a post on LinkedIn and she was saying that hot pink is not a colour that should be worn in a professional environment. And I remember thinking, who said, like literally, I'm sitting on the plane, I've only got one outfit packed and it is a hot pink suit in a professional environment and 95% male. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, I don't agree. Like automatically, I think, I don't agree. That's that's what I came to straight away. And as I'm reading it, I remember thinking, and there was no argument in there at all where I did actually agree with what this stylist was saying. Had that stylist said that a hot pink mini skirt with a really low cut crop top is not professional in a corporate sense, I would have completely agreed, right? Because there is certainly... Um, a certain dress code or an expectation of the work that you do. However, I was in a proper, like I said, tailored hot pink suit and I did not think there was any problem. Anyway, when I got up to do this keynote, I actually shared that story and I said, where do we need to actually challenge the black and white, the either or, but still within the context of whatever it is that we're doing, okay? So if you are in a professional role or professional services or it is a professional product or you're, that's what you're bringing to the table, then of course there is a dress code that you have to adhere to. I completely understand that. But in terms of thinking that it's got to be the extremes of just black or white, I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, if you work for a company and they have a dress code, that's different. And if you don't fit that dress code and you don't want to wear that dress code and that dress code does not allow you to be who you are, then that's when you've got to really think, is this the right environment for me? Are our values aligned and on the same page? And is this for me? However, where you're still professional and you're allowed to bring something like color or your own style into it that still fits with you know, what is the expectation? I think that's a whole new ball game. I still see so many people specifically in the corporate world and in the, yeah, in the corporate world, but in the professional environment, really, really struggle with this one. And I did a workshop with a group of lawyers one time, whole lot of, all female lawyers. And I don't know, there's probably 30 or 40 of us in the room. And I was wearing a pale pink suit, like full pale pink suit, a pale pink vest and my white sneakers, which was really cool because I was standing all day and I was super comfy. But it was really interesting because 
at the end of the workshop, one of the things that I wanted the women to share with me is what was your takeaway or something that you got out of the workshop and we we're talking about getting your mojo back and bringing the best version of you to your work every day. And I remember a couple of them saying, I want to be able to put on a coloured suit and still feel like I am bringing my most professional self to the table. And I remember saying that is absolutely beautiful and golden because, yes, in the context of law, yes, wearing a suit and being professionally dressed is what the expectation was, but could you actually have some colour in there and still be taken seriously? My view is absolutely yes. Now, often, yes, there might be a dress code. Like I said, you can't get around that. But often it's our own self-imposed black and whiteness that actually gets in the way. That's just one example when it comes to, say, dress codes. But what about all of the other ways that we tend to label ourselves? And we think that we have to be this way or that. It can only be this done like this or done like that. So let me give you an example. I reckon that you can be at the same time both brilliant and imperfect, okay? Now, this is another one that I've really struggled with over the years that I thought in order to be taken seriously, particularly again back in the corporate world and in the professional environment of financial services, that there was no room for imperfection. Now, I'm not talking about getting something wrong and making errors in data or typos and spelling mistakes in professional documents. I'm talking about being imperfect, meaning not spending 20 more hours on a PowerPoint presentation, getting the font perfect, getting every dot right above the I, getting every T crossed at the three-quarter mark. I'm talking about not putting in that extra, you know, five or 10% that actually makes no significant difference to the bottom line, to the outcome, to the result, or whatever it is you're bringing to the table. Now, us perfectionists uh, will understand that this is a challenge, but I thought that there was no room for imperfection. There was no room for anything other than perfect in this professional setting, and that if I wanted to be taken seriously, if I wanted to come across as someone brilliant and someone on the ball who had credibility and I was competent in my work, I was respected and I was trusted there was absolutely no room for any level of imperfection. What I've learned over the years is I can be both brilliant and imperfect. I can be both smart and a little bit silly, that I can do really serious work and have a big old belly laugh at the same time. I can be on the spectrum of all of those things at the same time that I can be an expert in one area of my life and a novice in the other. I can turn up in some cases as the teacher where I'm imparting some of my wisdom and knowledge to others that are learning and I can also in that same environment turn up as the student, okay? I can be both. So I'm allowed to be the leader that is leading a group and at the same time be asking questions and curious and not have all the answers and still be treated with respect and the same level of integrity as somebody who goes in there and does have all the answers. 
And it's not an easy one to battle, this whole either or. And seriously, like I said, this is something I've battled for many, many, many years, still do, but I see this all the time, that there is still this very, you know, binary, it's either that or that, it's either zero or one. You know, I mean, God, life nowadays seems to be a spectrum of everything, right? There's there's degrees of everything. But where do you need to bring that into your world? Where are you allowed to, in some cases, be completely selfless, doing things for other people because it's just part of your DNA and who you are, but at the same time as being selfless, also be selfish and also put your needs first, put what you want up there somewhere on your priority list, as opposed to, a lot of women do this, we're not even on our priority list, right? Not only do we not get to us, we don't even feature. We don't even have the bottom rung. But you're allowed to be selfless in some areas and potentially selfish in others. And that might mean taking care of yourself, looking after your health, looking after your body, looking after your mind and making that selfish because it's not effectively being selfish if Doing that and putting you first in some areas of your life allows you to then be better in the areas where you are selfless and looking after or caring for others, okay? You are allowed to do both. And and like I said, for a lot of women, it's kind of like, well, I can't be selfish because I've got other people to look after. And it's like, yeah, 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 I get that. But if you don't look after you, you're not going to be more capable of looking after others. And, you know, I remember this even when my kids were really little. You know, one of the things as a mum, I really did take pride in caring for my kids. And at any cost, like I would do anything to look after my kids. But I wouldn't do anything because I wasn't looking after me, okay? I wasn't giving myself the care and attention I needed, which meant I would get sick or I'd get a cold or I would get a bug or something. The deal I was taking better care of myself, there might have been a chance I was less susceptible to it, which means that when I was sick, I also wasn't caring for my kids as much. Because, you know, if you've got a cold and you're a bit grumpy and people are asking or demanding things of you, you don't have the same level of patience as you do as when you're fit and healthy. So it's a really interesting thing to think that in order for me to be selfish and look after my kids, I also have to be selfish and look after me. And in different areas of our life, it's about thinking about where have we been way too black and white? Where have we been, it's right or it's wrong, where it actually could be something else? Or where have we thought a decision has to be either this or that? What about either this or that and here's another option or another possibility. And this is something that um, I've listened to a lot of videos over the years. I've not done this, but this is absolutely on my list of to-dos, which is to do an improv class. There's a show on TV and it's called, and I've just gone blank, where they get up and they literally put them into a situation where it's usually an actor or a TV personality and they put them into a situation where they don't know what it is and they've literally got to just ad lib. They've got to make it up and just go with the flow, right? This is improv, right? They've got to make it up on the spot. And there's a classic improv technique called yes and. So, so for example, an improv works very much off the audience's feedback or the crowd's input. So, for example, just say we're doing an improv session and I say to you, you're a purple elephant, right? Instead of you going, I'm not a purple elephant, you go, 
yes, I am a purple elephant and I'm actually a purple elephant who can roller skate. Did you know that about me? Okay, so can you see what's happening? And I've just used a really funny, silly example there, but you get the concept. It's like going, yes, taking what someone has said and then adding to it. So that's not the ending, right? It's not the black or the white. It's not, no, I'm not a purple elephant, which just cuts it off at the past. It's going, yeah, I am a purple elephant. And it's interesting because I actually started out in life as a green giraffe. Again, I'm, I'm playing with it, but to try and make a point. And this is such a beautiful thing that you can do. You can do this in work. You can do this in a professional setting. You can do this in a relationship. You know, when someone does share something, they've got an idea. Instead of just cutting them off and going, no, that's wrong, it's like, yes, I hear what you say and how about we also consider looking at it from this perspective or, yep, I can hear that. I, I get where you're coming from and I also think that what we've missed is blah, blah, blah. You get the drift. i tell you what, it makes life so much more interesting. But the whole point here is about not having to think that everything's got to be one way or the other. What about that third option, that fourth option or that fifth option? And often we don't allow ourselves even the honour of going into thinking about there could be another option for whatever it is that we're trying to do. So if you ever tried to solve a problem, you're not coming up with the answers that you want. And it's usually because you're either thinking, well, no, we can't do that. What about, yeah, that angle, that solution, that answer is probably going to lead us to a dead end. However, how about we think about it from this angle or have we gone back and done X, Y, and Z? So where can you think that? I tell you what, this has been such a beautiful concept that that I've learned and don't always apply, but when I do, it actually creates, one, more creativity in coming up with an idea or a solution because it's taking away the cut something off at the past and not be open to more ideas. But it's also, I found that it encourages other people to bring their ideas to the table without shooting them down straight away, okay? Because I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse than being told, yes, we support ideas, yes, we're really open to all of this, and then you coming up with an idea or something and then being shot down straight away, right? It's it's no fun. So this goes back to the whole trying to dispel the either or, the black or white, and looking for where are their shades of grey? Where is there a yes and option or a third option, or a fourth option, or further. One Another one of the things that's come out of COVID that I really love is this whole idea of suits and sneakers. <laughs> so again, I know I'm, I'm having a bit of fun here, but never, never, never in a million years in the past, and again, coming from a very corporate background initially, working through an industry that is very conservative, would I have ever thought that I would do a presentation to a large group of people in a suit, bright colored suit, by the way, wearing sneakers. And can I also say how amazing it is because when you're standing on your feet all day, especially after years of not wearing high heels, it hurts. And and I'm sure there's many other women out there who are going to be on my page here that, you know what, high heels might be pretty and they might look good, but oh my goodness, the comfort factor. I know some like them, but they're just not there. And I was at a party a little while ago, A one of my beautiful girlfriend's 50th birthdays and a mentor of hers was actually uh, one of the guests and we we're just having a chit chat. And she coaches, she's an executive coach and coaches a lot of senior executives and particularly women. 
And she said, you know, when your feet hurt, right? So if you've been wearing really, really high heels all day and your feet hurt and you're in a meeting and they're literally throbbing, like, I don't know, up your arches or your toes, or you've got a blister on the heel. Um, The girls who wear heels know what I'm talking about. The boys who wear heels probably do too. But when your feet hurt, it makes it harder for you to make decisions or to contribute to a conversation as freely because you do get distracted by your sore feet. And she's like, you know, all these men that wear their suits to work and their beautiful, flat, comfy lace-up shoes and socks, they get the privilege of comfort that women who have been wearing high heels, like really high heels, you know, stiletto high heels, don't get. And it's like, why would you put yourself, and I remember these words, she said, why would you put yourself at a disadvantage and suffer the pain all because it might look that bit better. And I must say, by this stage, she had a captive audience. There was quite a few of us women standing around. Now, this is ironic, right? We're at a 50th party, and the dress code was glitz and glamour. But also, yeah, it had to come as something F. It could have been fancy. One of my other friends and I, we turned up in a dress, like a fancy dress, and sneakers and said that the, our upper part of our body was the fancy part and our lower part of our body was fitness because we're in our sneakers, right? So, And we did actually wear leggings, you know, the old-fashioned leggings from the 80s that, that people actually wore seriously. We now wear them more for fun or dancers wear them. But it was so interesting to even go to this party. So I'm hearing this conversation from this executive coach talking about, you know, wearing sneakers, oh, sorry, not even wearing sneakers, but wearing more comfortable shoes that still look the part but why would you put yourself at a disadvantage with sore feet? I remember the first time I was actually emceeing a corporate event, again, in financial services, and I flew to Sydney and I was literally on my feet from, I reckon, 7 a.m. in the morning till about 5, 6 o'clock that night when the event was over. And it was one of the very, very first events that came back after COVID And I had these gorgeous heels. Now, these were actually heels with quite a thick heel, quite a wedge heel. Not a a wedge, but a, a thicker heel. By the end of that day, I had eight Band-Aids on my toes. Now, I've only got 10 toes. So there were only two toes that hadn't yet been coated in Band-Aids. And the pain in my face, it literally got to the afternoon session. And I remember standing on that stage trying to remember what I had to say and what I had to bring to the table and, you know, keep the energy high as the MC. And I remember all I could think was how sore my feet were, that the pain and the throbbing that was literally now no longer just reserved for my feet was running up my thighs, up my calves, sorry, into my knees, up my thighs. Everything was hurting. The whole point of this is why can't you have suits and sneakers or why can't you have more sensible looking shoes in a suit and still look professional. So where else in your life have there been moments of black and white where maybe you could go a little shade of gray? Where have you been able to still have the same level of competency and credentials, but still be kind and caring? A woman called Vanessa Van Edwards, who total girl crush, brain crush on her. She has a business called The Science of People, and she talks about this all the time, that that often there is this black and white and this dilemma, this almost this paradox between being taken really seriously and respected as having your own competence and credentials, but also then being liked. And often with women particularly, 
it's almost like there's this either or you're either taken really seriously and respected and that means that, you know, you might put a few noses out of joint, but you're not necessarily liked. You've got to be that woman, like far out, who does she think she is? Or you're going to be that really kind, caring, people like you, you you know, really bring that empathetic bone to the table, but maybe you're not taken as seriously or maybe not thought of as decisive. What she was saying is that, you know, typically men don't have this same challenge or men aren't perceived in the same light, that that a lot of men can be still respected and credentialed and all of that and at the same time, you know, really likable. It's been a harder gig for women and there's a lot of reasons which, oh, my goodness, we don't have time in this episode to go through. You know, being able to challenge that you can still bring some of your feminine energy, you can still bring some care, you can still bring some empathy into a role at the same time as bringing in your superpower brains and your smarts and your get the same level of respect. Easy? Absolutely not. And sometimes some of the challenge is within us. It's our own limits. It's our own belief system that does bring it to the table. And that if a woman does come in too confident and thinking that, you know, and putting forward her best self, women go, oh, well, who does she think she is? And, oh, you know, she thinks she's, you know, bigger than her own boots. Is that a saying? I think bigger than your own shoes. You get what I'm trying to say. Too big for a britches. You know, one of those sort of sayings. You know, where can we start to accept you can still be this and that? You can be have your own opinions and still be highly curious. And your opinions can change. And that is okay too. You don't have to have beliefs that are set in stones or opinions that are set in stones. It is okay to change them. It is okay to be curious and still have an opinion. It is okay to have authority and be able to command and lead and at the same time still be accepted and collaborate. You can do both. Like I said, you can be the teacher and the student at the same time. I know that a really big part of when I'm coaching people, I am going in as as the coach, but a lot of the time as well, I'm also learning. I'm also the student and I don't ever for a minute discard that knowing that I am learning as I'm growing and I'm learning and growing as I'm teaching or as I'm mentoring because I can do both and I can do both at the same time. Okay. So this is something that's really been coming up for me lately and in particular around the language that I'm hearing people use. It's like, well, I can't be this and that, but yes, you can. Where can you look at life from? Not just black or white, not just either or, not just this or that, and maybe bring a third, fourth option in there. Maybe get more across the spectrum of that. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be this, that, and. So wherever that might be, and I don't know about you, but I am all up for being able to bring some fashion and colour into professional. I'm all for bringing sneakers and comfy shoes into suits and bring all of that to the table in a very caring and kind, compassionate way, and at the same time be treated with respect, highly competent, and really damn good at what I do. So where can you do some of that in your life? It doesn't have to be black and white, although I still do love black and white, particularly stripes, but it could be black, white, or where could that be for you? Thanks a million for joining me on this episode of Courageous Me. 
I hope it ignited a spark or two within you. To keep the inspiration flowing, hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more episodes. We've got loads of amazing stories of courage, passion and practical tips coming your way. For all the show notes, resources and ways that we can connect, head to courageousme.com.au. And your feedback is incredibly valuable. So if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to leave a review and a rating. It'll help me spread more of this love and reach more wonderful people just like you. Until we meet again, my friend, always remember, you've got this.